This guy looks mad at me. How dare you? I mean, he's a news anchor at Fox Local. He just doesn't like his life, man. Looks like he's got some Botox. He looks mad at me too, actually. She does look pretty stern. She has Karen energy about You know what? Her. This is the look that your parents <laughs> give you when you come home after curfew. <laughs> Where have you been? Oh, God. Oh, uh, I didn't know you are still up. I just... Why are your eyes so red? <laughs> <laughs> he, he's just... They're just upset. They, they went into journalism to break major stories and be on the ground, hard-hitting journalists. Now they just read off a teleprompter i love how we're just like <laughs> just talking on i don't just, know who these people are <laughs> roasting these two hopefully that makes the cut hey everybody welcome back to human reaction your weekly source for independent commentary on cultural news and politics where it's always our mission to arm you with the tools that you need to cut through media misdirection and resist the mono narrative I'm here with my co-hosts, The Usual Suspects, David Rand, Kyle Mack. David, what are we talking about today? First up, Trump smashes another primary state. Uh, Nikki Haley's Democrat daddy pulls out, uh, and she commits to sticking it out for the long term, or at least until South Carolina, where she can get owned in her very own state. I'm going to come. <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> Wait. Oh, got yeah, more. We got more. <laughs> Somebody is trying to keep uh, Carrie Lake out of the Arizona Senate race with a bribe. Uh, it could be the National Senatorial Committee uh, is the establishment trying to keep Trump conservatives out of running for the Senate. We'll be getting into that. The Civil War is so hot right now. Um, <laughs> is, there, is there a legal battle that's brewing between Texas and the Biden administration? The first signs of a civil war. The Internet's been talking about it. We'll get into that. And lastly, the Oscars have proven that the patriarchy is real. And it's better. Uh, and uh, the bar or or the Barbie movie wasn't as good as the feminist said it was. So since we are the patriarchy, I figured we'd respond to these accusations against our brand. Yes. Kyle, what should people do? Well, as the patriarchy, I'm demanding you to like, comment, and subscribe <laughs> to our all of our channels, all of our things. Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you might see us. Subscribe to us there. We're also, we, we've started uh, putting out our chapters as clips on the channel. So we're kind of revamping our YouTube right now. So check that out. Uh, you'll be able to see our content in more 10 to 20 minute sized pieces rather than like the two hour products. Um, and we're, our TikTok's kind of blown up. We're about to hit a thousand people or a thousand subscribers. So. thousand subscribers. And we've got, I don't know, like 20,000 likes or something like that. That's how they measure like popularity on TikTok, right? As likes. Hmm, we're really? getting up there. I don't oh. know. <laughs> I don't pay attention to I'll TikTok. be honest I don't even have the app on my phone <laughs> me neither yeah I'm the only one who we're has just it. publishing it yeah well you know that's how we reach the kids that's where we're gonna reach the kids although I will say we were t we were kind of joking about this before TikTok seems to be our probably like second freest platform next to X at yeah. this point yeah but I mean we have way more followers on TikTok yeah. Like our X videos don't go nearly as far as yeah. TikTok does. Yeah, X is a bit different, I think, in the way that it applies. TikTok's much more good for promoting the brand stuff, I think. But well, shout out to Henri Pellerin, Liberty Portal, and our friend Liam McCollum for sharing and reposting all of our clips on Twitter. You guys are the reason we have a Twitter follow. We appreciate and, you. And frankly, our last episode with Henri was awesome. Oh, it was like, great. It was a super fun episode, one of our best videos. So, and frankly, we've just gotten a lot of a lot of people reaching out to us because of it. So, yep. People yep. love the Ramaswamy tsunami. They really do. <laughs> it is still alive uh, and well within the Trump campaign. Okay. Uh, well, with all that business over with, let's jump into the first story. So we got a live look of DeSantis uh, dropping out of the Trump or dropping out of the campaign and endorsing Trump. 
<laughs> Woo! Boy, I bet that feels good. He can finally get take those boots off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he, uh, he he dropped out of the race right before the the primary. Um, Trump came in, absolutely destroyed Nikki Haley in a state where she invested hundreds of millions of dollars and uh, by 11 points. So Interesting. It, I, I feel like the polling I saw showed the margin smaller than that. Was that... Uh, did, did she underperform no, the polling? No, I, I think the polling... So keep in mind that margin is 5% either way, right? So... Margin for Each error. Each number is margin for error. If it's plus four, it means it's eight points either direction. I see. So if you get, if you're, if so, if you poll at 52, right, and the other person polls at, you know, uh, 56, right, that could easily put you, or sorry, 52 and 46, that could easily put you at 54, 43. Gotcha. Right. Because yeah. it's four points. There's some wiggle room in those numbers for this sure. This was supposed to be one of her strongest states, too. Which, yes. I mean, to be honest, I feel like she did better than she should be for how I feel like the ethos of the Republican Party is right now. Mm-hmm. So her doing this well, it's actually kind of well, disheartening. Your assumption is that these are Republicans voting for. <laughs> well, and that's a good point because we, we have some stuff on that as well that we want to get into. If it wasn't Republicans voting for her, then who was voting for her? Well, here, like, why don't we just jump to this video yeah. right here? Yeah. We Do we need it. the context of open primaries first? Yeah, sure. Do you okay. want to explain it? So different states have different rules when it comes to elect elections and associating with a party. So some states are closed primaries, meaning you have to register with a primary with a with a party, and then you get to vote in that primary's election. Other states, um, and I think New Hampshire is kind of unique as a East Coast state that has an open primary system where anyone can just show up on that day or, you know, soon before, and then get that party's ballot. Yeah, so we have a, a guy exiting from his vote getting interviewed by CNN right here. So let's uh, hear what this guy has to say on why he voted for Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley. And why did you vote for Nikki Haley? Uh, it's a vote against Trump. Uh, I think it would be better to have her against Biden in the uh, elections than it would be Trump Do you consider yourself generally independent, Republican, or Democrat? Uh, Democrat. So when you undeclared, you voted for Nikki Haley. If it was Nikki Haley against Joe Biden in a general election, who are you voting for? Joe Biden. Okay. He got the assignment. (laughs) Yes. This guy showed up and did exactly as he uh, was instructed to do. This is just one anecdote. Is there evidence that there were more people who voted for Nikki Haley from the Democratic Party who weren't actually registered Republicans or interested in voting for the Republican in the general. In an open primary state, if you are a Democrat, you can go and vote. Basically, they don't ask the question when you show up. Um, if you're from a closed primary state, this would be weird, but how it works, this was the same way it works in Montana. You show up at the place, you say, hey, I want to vote. And they're like, oh, okay, where's your ID if you're of an ID state? You confirm your identity in your district, and then they just say, do you want a Republican or a Democrat ballot or an independent or libertarian ballot, depending on what's available? And then you grab that ballot, fill it out, hand it back, um, put it in the little slot box. So what this means is these are the people who voted in the Republican primary. 86% of Haley's support were from Democrats. 86. Jeez. And Trump. 58% from independents. Only yeah. 25% of, of registered Republicans voted for Haley. Right. Compared Wait. to Trump, who got 74% of registered Republican support. Mm-hmm. So clearly, what this is indicating is that 
the memo about Democrats supporting Haley to try to get Trump to not win the nomination has been spread and people are buying into it and they're actually going to the polls in open primary states and trying to make this happen. Absolutely right. And that that makes a ton of sense. If you have a tremendously unpopular president as your party candidate nominee, you don't even get to elect them, right? They don't even have Joe the Biden, debate yeah, yeah. On, the, on the Democrat side. So why wouldn't you? Um, and, you know, of course, this is a statistical model. This isn't actually who voted. This is based upon surveying 2,192 people, right? So this so, is an extrapolation of a smaller sample size. Right. So, but, but it probably has an error rate of at max 5 to 8%, right? So even at 5 to 8%, you're still sitting at an overwhelming majority of Republicans choosing Trump in this election. That is wild. Yeah. Uh, that is wild. I mean, it's just wild to me that, that uh, Democrats, you know, are are actually out there doing it. Like I, it's one thing to talk about it and tweet about it or whatever, but <laughs> yeah. they're yeah. actually doing it. That's yeah. wild. Oh yeah. And it just shows the Democrats are very much united in such things. And they, they're very tactical and the, you know, I don't, I think it'd be a lot harder to get Republicans to do this sort of thing. Well, yeah, cause they're always, it's always said that the Democrats are just better organized than Republicans, right? Like by nature. Is that true? I think that's also like an insider outside of thing. Like your opponent always seems very organized and your side always seems like it's a cluster, mm-hmm. right? That's just, uh, how it is sure. if you ever talk to uh democrat like operatives they'll tell you no it's always a chaos, it's chaos. And a fight and all that kind of stuff anyway so i don't know there's uh, probably a lot of things like union influence though too like there's always kind of information dissemination that comes down from union groups and mm-hmm. everybody's kind of in a union so i think there's like people getting time off to go do stuff things like like that sure. type of stuff happens yeah. sure in, in a lot of these states yeah um so, so there could be a lot of factors as to why that is and why it might seem like they're more organized. And I think generally speaking, they are a little bit more organized, but like both have their own organizational purposes, right? Yeah. So. yeah. And, and, and yeah, I think you're right. They have like stronger coalitions yeah. vertically, you know, while opposite for Republicans. You'd have to think that the Haley campaign is looking at this data that we're looking at and going, most of our support's not coming from within our party. We <laughs> probably don't have much of a chance of winning this primary She's probably thinking about dropping out, right? I don't or, think she's... No? No. I, I don't think her purpose is to win. Um, I think her purpose is to damage Trump and also operate as a symbol for like the last vestige of this group that exists within the GOP. The Never Trump yeah, Coalition. And, and it, she needs to be the symbol of rebellion against the big orange man that has taken over the party and is disrupting all of the elite structures and stuff. She needs to be that symbol. And that's what everything is kind of forming around. It's much more like... <laughs> In a sense, it's much more of a religious battle than it is actually. Like everyone knows Trump is going to win. It's it's a matter of how much the old vestige can can put up a fight. Hmm. I think that's much more what it is. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, she is the anti-establishment <laughs> candidate taking she, on the old guard of the Republican Party, <laughs> yeah. aka Donald Trump. Have you seen her speech? I mean, we should see this incredible, inspiring, visionary speech where she lays out her case for not leaving. Now, you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves, saying this race is over. It's not over! It's not over! over. That guy's a Raytheon lobbyist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. Not so even weird. Look at her smile. Like she's like, this is so great. This should be like, uh, we got our this race is in. far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. 
that I will lose it handily. <laughs> She's losing in her own state. And the Let your voice be heard, Nikki. Sweet state of South Carolina. <laughs> Where you will lose. Where is she polling in South Carolina? I'm just about to look that up. <laughs> At one point in this campaign, there were 14 of us running. And we were at 2% in the polls. Is that right? Carry the Well, one. I'm a fighter. And I'm scrappy. And now we're the last one standing next to Donald Trump. And today we got close to half of the vote. <laughs> Close. Keyword close. <laughs> we still have a way to go. Between two candidates. But we keep We're moving Almost up. all on Democrat votes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably. Today we got close uh, to half. <laughs> Didn't quite make that half mark, though. Yes. Yeah, so let's check out how South Carolina is shaping up. So the poll, this is the most recent ones, right? And polls are Ooh. mostly about direction, right? Ooh. What it looks like is Trump has consolidated support over time, right? He was, he was doing a little bit worse in the past. Was, where, where are we looking here? Polls ending. Trump is beating Nikki by 40 points. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so top, top line here. Yeah, we're seeing polling as of the 17th to 18th of January. Uh, Trump commanding a 68% to 28% lead in the polls over Nikki Haley. 40 points in South Carolina, her home state. Yeah, where, where she was governor um, for no less than Oh God, years and governor? years uh eight years yeah i was gonna yeah. say it was about 2011, a decade 2017 okay so so yeah. so okay so so nikki haley's staying in we we know that much uh on the dollar of the donor class uh, yeah, she's for staying the, in as, as long as the donors keep paying her. and she also has no personal reason to pull out she's just making money right now yeah all she's doing is going around getting money getting more donors getting more name identification for this kind of elite group of people that in the Republican Party, even if you get 25% of a very large group of people, that's still a lot of people who are now into your brand. Yeah, true. Right? It's it's good, uh, you know, pre-marketing for her forthcoming underwhelming book release, right? <laughs> she, she's advertising right now. She's advertising herself as like, I am willing to say anything you guys want me to say. Like, that is what she's advertising <laughs> for right now. I am on this podium for sale to the highest bidder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> she's just auctioning herself off at the moment, right? But she has lost some donors, right? I mean, Reed Hoffman pulled out of of contributing to her campaign recently. That was in the headlines this week. Yeah, we have this great headline from Zero Hedge uh, that has to be read. Reed Hoffman pulls out of Nikki Haley after New Hampshire pounding. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> that... The headline is something else, man. Okay, so yeah. Reed Hoffman, he's the former founder and CEO of uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, uh, peripherally Epstein-related as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and uh, he's a big Democratic donor, very publicly got in uh, for Nikki uh, in December, I think it was, November, December of last year. And now um, it's being reported that he's now no longer supporting her after she failed to do anything of substance here. Important to reiterate, too, that he is a, prom, a prominent Democrat donor, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, again, another establish, uh, establishing this narrative of the Democrats rallying support behind Nikki because they don't want to see Trump again. Yep. So, is she in for the long haul? I mean, at least through South Carolina, of course, because, uh, you know, that's... I don't know. The polling is not close. I mean, like, you can object to polling, right? It, it could be understandable. 
40 the points. points this off. So that's a wide <laughs> margin like, of yeah, error, Dave. Right? right? Like you're like, oh, it could be off by 10 points. That's a pretty radical claim. 10 points off in two directions. But you're still losing 20 by 30 points. points off in two directions. Yeah. Come on, yeah. man. That's yeah. crazy. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, the Babylon Bee reported that Nikki Haley announced she has won New Hampshire by negative 12 points. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't yeah, miss, you know. Oh, man. I love the Bee. Yeah. Uh, so what's, what's she in for? I mean, it's all speculation, but I do think that she's got, you know, she's 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 quartering herself to the kind of people who's going to be able to keep her employed. Um, much like uh, the sort of people that attempted to keep carry lake out of these arizona primary yeah that was wild so for for people that don't have the context of this story can we just lay out the groundwork of of um Carrie Lake, you know, and, and the situation that evolved around this so she was a former um media personality who went on to run for arizona governor lost that race but got a pretty broad name idea across the country as a very trump aligned person and i will say too that there was a lot of interesting and suspicious activity around that election running against katie hobbs i believe the who former was secretary of state the acting secretary of state yes who did not recuse herself from certifying her own election very very strange anyways continue there was yeah. a lot of weird stuff with ballots that went out from the secretary of state's office there's yeah a lot of maricopa county has issues yeah we'll yeah. say that not making any claims just pointing out some interesting also details. in regards to that like so i was born in arizona and i lived in it i lived in arizona until i was like seven years old uh carrie lake is quite famous in arizona just because of her tv personality she was on tv back when i was like six years old she was like the main arizona news anchor mm -hmm. back then so like she's very well known in the state she has a wide name id mm -hmm. so uh, she's talking to jeff dewitt who is at this you know, at the time of this recording which was recorded about 10 months ago uh, so before she entered the race a conversation uh, with DeWitt who was running the Republican Party in Arizona at the time he's the former CEO of Trump's 2020 campaign uh, he's the current chairman of course and then he's this he was the CFO uh, of NASA under uh, Trump and um, yeah so this is what happened the, this audio was released this week and it is an absolute bombshell and we're going to listen to quite a bit of it uh, and react as we go. So yeah, we'll yeah. we'll kind of stop and pause throughout this thing because we got about like six minutes of content here. But it is quite quite interesting. Is there a number at which I can be bought? <laughs> That's what it's about. You can take a pause for a couple years. No. And then go right back to what you're doing. Mm -mm. No. Ten million, twenty million, thirty. No, no, no. A billion, no. This is not about money. This is about our country. I think it's disturbing that they would even, that anybody would think this is. I, I, no, to be fair, even me, even me, I'll say this. I want a fresh face right now for the reason that I've never seen anyone. I can't think of a single person in a federal race who's lost, ran in one. can't mm -hmm. think of it. If you can think of it, let me know. I am not going to let these people who hate our country tell me not to run. You should call them and tell them to get behind me. So what's going on? What is, uh, I'm assuming this is our friend. Oh, this is, this is, this is back east. They, there are very powerful people that want to keep you out. Oh, no. It's hard to interrupt that. It's so, it's so like entrancing. I know it is. <laughs> and, and literally I get, I get locked into it, but I want to, I just want to point out 
the the people back east the very there are very powerful people back east who want to keep you out who do we know who he's alluding to in this because they don't she's not able to get that out of him but there has since been some information around that right yeah we'll circle on that we'll probably actually listen to the bannon stuff where they make the accusation okay. on this but cool. yeah as of like when this first dropped we really don't know who they're talking about but i mean back east you're in arizona they're it's probably DC. not talking about wall street it's DC. probably talking about someone in dc for sure yeah. and just to make the point too just as far as audio quality th- this is obviously recorded by carrie lake on her phone mm-hmm. in the middle of this conversation so secret recording uh so there'll be some very smart of her too yeah just record everything the very s- smart the skeptic in me though is like hmm, is this planned anyway we're not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. Let's keep listening. <laughs> Could be like there. There is a thing of if if you were to be the outsider candidate, planting some sort of a uh, a stunt like this, like a false flag conspiracy yeah, against you. To be like they're all out to get me, kind of a thing. That would be a big way to boost name ID. I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not saying that's a thing, but like I could see it happening. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think. I think that there are very powerful people that want Carrie out of the race because she's she's become a very big figure, especially in the Trump. For side sure, of the America First movement in Arizona is pretty much led by her. Yeah, yeah. completely, one hundred percent. Her and uh, Blake Masters, but carry on. But they're willing to put their money where their mouth is in a big way. So this conversation never. Happened. This is crazy, though. This conversation they should want me. This guy sounds like such a I'm sleazeball. A great candidate, people love me. These people are corrupt. Seems like a mob shake, well, though. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Yeah, sounds so gross. Corrupt. Maybe they're right. They're corrupt. This is right. Don't, don't go. Be careful, though. I don't get myself in trouble. This, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you say no, which is fine. It's your choice. Don't tell people. I know. They're going to try to have me murdered. <laughs> I don't doubt that either. Saints world, man. If that stuff that came out last week is right about the cartel stuff, man. Right? The car, they see the cartel's operating in 50 states right now. Like all 50. Mm-hmm. So... What's the relevance what, what, of that? What's going on? Who can is we it? can what? we dig yeah. into that just a so second? So she 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 said they they're gonna have to have, have me killed. You know, they're gonna have me killed, and he says like, well, you know, reports are saying that the cartels in fifty states right now. Now um, is that a threat? Soft threat, maybe. I, I don't know. Um, it's hard to say. He says in his you know his letter where he pushes back on this that it was a conversation, right? It was like a friendly conversation between his former friend. You know, is how he puts it. Tries to cast her as like betraying him with us, right? How, as how he's could literally she? trying to get her to not run by giving her money, and is it a threat? If this is coming, the people back east or the intelligence services, we know that from the nineteen thirties uh, up until the nineteen seventies, at least, that there were non pretty substantial international connections between the CIA and the organized, you know. Crime. So the intimation that he could be making here is that, yes, maybe the cartel could be employed in some way to... Yeah. Contract killer sort of situation. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and it could be because it's intelligence people, right? FBI, CIA, things like that. Or it could be, you know, a, a private person who's just wealthy enough to know the right person to be able to get a contract killer. Wild. Right? That's kind of what he's like, oh, well, I mean, maybe. But uh, I, the, the, I think you can interpret his tone as kind of like a, you know, a joking like dive like into her there is kind of like a weird there's kind of like a jokiness to this but it's it's one of those things where it's like well maybe you know like like that's the way that they're they're talking about it right where it's like he's not directly saying that this is going to happen but it's like you never know Hmm. like Mm -hmm. and how serious he is 
you know, that's up to interpretation, but it's just going to like, yeah, you never know. Right. Crazy. Um, but yeah, let's, let's keep moving here. Forget the who. Let me just tell you what. I can't tell you who is offering this. I just say there are people calling around saying, gosh, no, you can't repeat this. Never repeat this. If you say no, don't, because I got offered to buy out. Yeah. Because then we lose our ability to get things done other in the future. Here's this is my problem. So Where he's literally saying, I can tell you who, but I can tell, I can't tell you who, but I can tell you what. And then he's saying, but don't tell anybody I'm telling you this. Like this is the second time he said that in this recording. Don't tell anybody I'm telling you this because then we lose the ability to get things done. So Th- this, what is he saying? That's an incredibly yeah. corrupt statement. It says that we, this is not the first time that we are buying a candidate out of the race. Yeah. And perhaps they didn't record them and release them. And maybe they're somebody who didn't, didn't run who you know, should have. This, this suggests actually re-listening to this now after having listened to the Steve Bannon thing, this corroborates the Steve Bannon stuff, which we'll play after this, mm. which suggests who those people at, in the back East are. And right? frankly, I was shocked to hear who was implicated in that personally. And it, it's relevant to, we're, we're sooning so hard right now. We are. We are. <laughs> don't, don't, don't stop watching. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's keep going on. That. Just say, let's work with her. She's a great candidate because they don't own me. And it pisses me off. Yeah. It's not it's about ownership. It's about control. I don't know. It's about control. It's about being on the team. I guess that's, you know what I mean? They want to be on the team. Gross, no. dude. They want you to be on their team. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know? But if they're pushing a globalist agenda, I can't do that. So what do they want? What do they want me to do? They want you to stay opportunities. <laughs> but, I'll tell you what I can offer you. But, um... I said, you can do whatever you want, it's a talking head, this and that. So the, the ask of me was, it's kind of funny. So the, the ask I got today from back east was, is this, has to stay between us. Was, is there any companies out there or something that could just put her on the payroll and give her to keep her out? And I said, well, what are you willing to do? Whatever we need to do. This is about defeating Trump. And I think that's a bad, bad thing for our country. DeSantis is not America first. This is about the final death blow to Trump. And I don't think that's good for our country. I'm not love Trump. I'm not love Trump. It's not good for our country, Jeff. He works for Trump. It's not. But at the same time, I'm not even sure Trump can win again. I don't know that he can win I think what it really comes down to for a lot of people, it's not only about like, control or agenda, it's just about the ability to raise money to win, you know? If you really want to know, all of what looks, all of what's on the money, I think. Mm-hmm. And even on their end, like what makes them the most money? I know, these, all these consultants don't want their, their payday to end. And I don't want to make a deal with these kind of people. This is a hill worth dying on. I am not, like if the they're going to steal not. the election to make me and our, our movement go away, I'm not letting him do that. I owe it to the people of Arizona. Or. To carry their torch and their voice. Or. You don't go away. You just pull them off. This is the battles right now, Jeff. Pause. And we fill your coffers. 
No, the battle Basically is right now. Conference, as we said. The battle is right now, and um, we don't have time just to pause on this battlefield. You're not. You, what you can't scratch their back. It's not for you. Yeah. You don't have anything to offer them, and they're sitting around people that have something to offer them. No, pause it there. It's just it's. So did you hear that? You can scratch their your their back. You have nothing to offer them, right? And they're sitting around people who do, right? They have people around them that they've selected for this seat. So don't run. That's what's going on here. What are those things? It's being on the team. So when you hear people say the establishment, it's kind of like a categorization that's really convenient. But to the degree to which it's actually a somewhat actual network of people who collaborate and coordinate to control things in D.C., who all know each other, who went to the same schools, who go to the same cocktail parties. Um, they don't like necessarily have to have like big robes and like like candles and hold swords and, you know, skull and bones ceremonies. They can just be people who have power, who are coordinating and collaborating in a culture of elitism to try to fix things so that they can maintain their power and influence. That's who this guy is alluding to. That's who he, that's why he won't say who it is. Um, but he will say what they're about. And, you know, it's, it's like, it's like listening to the devil trying to like persuade someone that the devil isn't real as they're trying to get them to sell their soul. It's very interesting. Well, it's a lot, wild. a lot of these Trump candidates, they're just not part of the club. Right. So it, the reason why they don't get all the support coming in from back East is just because they're not in that group. But that's why the American voters like them is because now more than ever, people are aware of how corrupt DC is. This is obviously not helping that narrative at all. So, you know, they may not get the money, but that's why they they have this popular support. Well, the, the Republican establishment too, they're probably looking at it like there is a large swath of the country that just does not like Trump. So these Trump style candidates might actually hurt our chances at winning the Senate races and keeping a majority uh, and getting all of our consultants paid. And like he's saying, right. Mm-hmm. So they're looking at this as their incentive is to try to stamp out a lot of Trump like candidates because of the divisiveness that might cause in losing a Republican majority. If they're reading that correctly, yeah. like it could be also that Trump like candidates maintain it because there's a lot of energy or something like who knows. Um, Does this pull. come from the, the narrative around the fact that, that the Trump candidates underperformed in the red wave that wasn't, or is that why the, the establishment or part of the reason why maybe some of these folks who were on Trump's team pro Trump are moving away from Trump in this election cycle? I think it's, um, it, th- that's, that's something they would might've said. Yeah. Right? That's something that the establishment might have made a case for. I think what's wrong about that case very specifically is ballot effects are real. In fact, it's one of the most reliable things we know in political science. What are ballot effects? Who is on the ballot changes who shows up to vote. And if you're measuring Trump supporters by a election cycle where Trump isn't running, you're going to get a different result than one where he is running. Does uh-huh. that make sense? Yes. So whoever's at the top of the ballot. Yeah. Right? So so the red wave had nothing to do with the presidential election as a midterm. So Trump wasn't running. So Trump people didn't turn out in the same force they would if they were voting Trump top a ticket it, it, and when, voting down. Especially ticket. when Trump is getting 24-7 CNN news coverage. It's right. a very different electoral landscape at that point. I see. Um, and will he get that this year? What, will he be the candidate? All those kinds of things. Like we're operating right now on the assumption that he is. When he is, it's going to change who shows up 
And that will change in the favor of someone like Carrie Lake. Absolutely. Hmm. Right. To the degree that she's identified and known by that community as one of them. And then additionally, she has a high name ID with a lot of people who know her. So therefore she'll get those advantages. Well, and that was the thing because going to Arizona, well, her governor's race was there. Like I remember I was, I was in Arizona just a few weeks before that election and just the sheer amount of money poured into that race was wild. Mm-hmm. Everything on TV is just anti Kerry Lake ads. It's just mm-hmm. nonstop coming from John McCain super PACs, basically. It, post John McCain dying, right? Like yeah. this is after it's, it's all those people in the John McCain wing of Arizona GOP politics, all just paying there that you have you have Republican attack ads going at her for being too pro life. Like you have stuff like that just on TV every single commercial. Wild. Yeah, and and just yard signs everywhere. Katie Hobbs yard signs all over the place, and it's just all just tons of money pouring in against her. Like it, it was, it was very noticeable how much they really don't want Carrie Lake. Like, like not the people, the money people. Like mm-hmm. that's that's what I mean. Not yeah. the grassroots. Yeah, right. Do the last little yeah. bit here. Yeah, it's a it's a back scratching club. That's all DC is. It's a big mm-hmm. back scratching club. You're in, no, you're in no position to scratch anybody's back, and you've already made it known that if you get there, you're not going to scratch anybody's back. I don't scratch people's back. You know, I was, I've been on the outs for a lot of people for a long time, because I don't scratch my backs. Mm-hmm. You know? Where are we in two years if they steal the election again? Listen to what you're saying. Why don't we do something about it? What? So that we the people can pick our... What can we do? I'm not willing to accept that. Then I'm going to be the biggest pain in these people's... Go back and tell them that. I'm running... And I'm going to be the biggest pain in their And I'm willing to tell them that. And they're going to have to kill me. To stop gangster. me. I know, I know, look. Bow, and, and bow, 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 Yeah. You have the thing. I, I do, but sometimes you just want to hum it <laughs> instead. You just want to let gangster her have her Gangster as moment. shit. Like, God damn. Mm. Yeah. That was pretty gangster. And obviously this recording is protection for her. This coming out, mm-hmm. does, it, does it have something to do with you know perhaps some escalation of of problems here because she is currently running right yeah, she announced after, after this so this was 10 months ago before she ran right and she announced she's been recently. holding on to this for a yeah. long time and is she so she's on the ballot for this coming november is that correct uh, i think they still have a primary to go through right yeah. but she so she's but she's running currently yeah. in this election cycle. yeah yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 for senate now so it is now on. So, yeah, this obviously uh, well blows up on Twitter and everywhere. I mean, it's trending in so many different ways. People are calling on Jeff DeWitt to resign. And he has resigned. He and, has resigned. And he has. Yeah. So he resigned. He makes the claim, you know, that it was selectively edited, uh, that it was a setup, it was a deceptive tactic. Um, all, all the, you know, like, she was my friend and she hurt my feelings with this sort of, um, sort of thing. I can't believe she would record our private conversation. She doesn't sound like a friend in that interview very much. Uh, But I mean, still like there are colleagues of sorts probably working. Actually, funny thing. She was actually working at his firm at this time when this conversation happened. What is his firm? Um, I don't. uh, Good question. Um, But that's what that's what the that's what the cover. He's been a Trump guy for a long time. Like he like he was he's running at this point in time, he's the chairman of the G- of the GOP in Arizona. Yeah, which he's now resigned yeah. from. Yeah, which yeah, he's yeah. now resigned yeah. from. Yeah, right? but but it was a it's a crazy it's crazy. And then so that one of the questions there too was you know was this guy this guy was CEO of Trump's 2020 campaign all that kind of stuff. It's important to understand that a lot of people who are in politics 
are kind of in it. Some people are in it for ideological reasons, but you would shock you how many aren't. Yeah, a, a lot of people, frankly, most people, from my experience, it seems like, are just mercenaries. Yeah. They are just like, they kind of have their broad team. Like they'll never cross over from Republican to Democrat or vice versa, but they're just kind of within the Republican ethos and they're just mercenaries in there and they'll go to whichever faction within that they can. And then the Democrats are the same way. Mm -hmm. Like, but then you have typically outside of just the party politics, when you kind of get into like the 501c3, 501c4 side, that's where you end up getting a little bit more of the ideologues but also a lot of mercenaries in there too, right? Well, and and in a lot of cases, right? I mean, if you, if you have a job and you like it and your organization decides to go a different direction, you either have to kind of jump on board with that direction or, or not. Right. And and that not means go find another job probably in most cases. And and donor dollars influence all these, all these organizations. They start to move them in different directions because at the end of the day, those donor dollars are paying everybody's salaries. So if there's a, if there's a narrative switch that an organization makes, you either have to get on board or you have to leave. Right. It's, it's one or the other. Right. And so, and so if you are one of those people who has an ideological compass and it's important to you that you maintain that politics is a rough game for you. (laughs) Well, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it for sure can be right. For sure. So, um, so then Steve Bannon has this guy, Michael Patrick Leahy on his show, uh, he claims to have some very reliable sources inside of this whole situation uh, that had some very interesting things to say about who back east was actually referring to. Mm-hmm. You've actually gotten some news and broken a pretty big story over on the situation in Arizona with Jeff DeWitt and Kerry Lake. Uh, tell me what, because Jeff DeWitt's just a messenger. He admits that. Jeff DeWitt didn't have the money. Jeff DeWitt didn't come up with the idea. Jeff DeWitt is just a messenger. So there's got to be somebody that sends the messenger. The person sends the well, messenger you know, Jeff DeWitt, has the money. The, Jeff, go ahead. Jeff DeWitt has resigned. And I think Kerry Lake is going to have 8 p.m. Eastern, a rumble press conference uh, to talk about the latest developments. But sources have told us that the message came from the National Republican uh, Senatorial Committee, which is, uh, as you know, controlled by uh, Mitch McConnell. And Senator Steve Daines of Montana uh, is the senator in charge of that. We yesterday, when we got this information, which we believe to be credible from a credible source, but we, you know, we sent uh, requests. Our great reporter in Arizona, the Arizona Sun Times, Rachel Alexander, sent a request to both Steve Daines and the political director at the NRSC to if they would confirm or deny that the message originated from them in March of of 2023. In other words, hey, Kerry, don't run for the Senate. We'll we'll give you some money or a big job. Okay. Get so there are reasons to provide, you know, some credibility to this, and there are reasons to, you know, criticize it and potentially poke some holes in it. Let's try to steel man it. What are the reasons that this could have originated from the NRSC? Well, he is a media personality uh, and a CEO of... Uh a newspaper or you know news organizations and lying in that way does have a cost right um i don't trust the wall street journal completely maybe i would have before they lied about weapons of mass destruction in iraq you know those sorts of phenomena are real and mm-hmm. and there's rep you know uh, professional reputations uh things like that and then you know as bannon kind of goes on to say here and we don't need to play it but uh, you know it, it, when there is a clear denial it usually happens pretty quick. 
And according to this recording and what they claim, they haven't really came back with a clear rebuttal. And the incentive of the NRSC lines up with what we were talking about earlier when we were listening to the video of their job is to try to win elections and keep a Senate majority. And they might be making the calculus that Carrie Lake right now is not the person for that because of the controversy around her. You know, you may or may not agree with that. I personally don't think that's the correct calculus, but that would be the incentive for just being like, yo, we'll get you a nice job. It'll be cushy. Hold back for two years. Just, just do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, that would make sense. Cause what they want is if, 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 the, the disaster scenario for the establishment is you get all these Trump candidates uh, together. They run with Trump. They all lose. And then we have four more years of Biden and, you know, a Democrat House and Senate, right, where to get a whole bunch of losses again on policy. If you, you know, play that game out and you say, well, what if we just keep some of those Trump candidates, you know, out, get some, you know, regular GOP candidates in they could win or lose because they're not tied to his brand. They won't go down with that sinking ship if you believe it's a sinking ship. And then, you know, you can maybe, you, you'll lose Trump in the presidency, you'll get Biden again, but you'll get a Republican Senate. So, so you'll have, yes, yeah, some balance in yeah. the, you know, the three branches. In, you'll in be Washington. able to keep the fingers in the dam to keep it from getting worse. Now, is, is, I, I would imagine would be the steel man for their incentive. In what worldview would you think that the Trump movement is a sinking ship? Because it doesn't seem like that from the poll numbers, from the turnout. Obviously, it's a primary. Is Trump still beating Biden in polling predictions for the general election? Biden's favorability just keeps going down. I mean, he's like one of the least popular. Favorability is not the same as willing to vote for, though. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Yeah, well, and that is, can yeah, he still outcompete with the people that you know really don't like Trump? Because there is a large, you know, much to the chagrin of conservatives that are big Trump people like there is a large swath of the population that just hates Donald Trump yeah. for sure. Um, so so at the time that this conversation happened uh, uh, Trump was losing to, to Biden in or, March or of 23 margin. Yeah. So at you know last year early last year that was kind of that way. That's before all the co- court cases and everything, yeah right? more recently Trump is now up 30 30 uh, you know 36 30 you know or 40 34. So up by six or so outside the margin of error, therefore probably leading. Sure. You know, but you don't know by how much it could be as much as 10 or as little as, you know, a point. The the cultural shift in the country since 10 months ago has drastically changed. Yeah. There probably was a big calculus there that was just like, we're not going to get it guys. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, especially, uh, you know, that was a few months after the red wave that didn't happen. So there's probably a lot of concern about, yeah, you know, well, are the Trump candidates electable? That was a major narrative at the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. When, when thinking about that now, just th- thoroughly, there was the idea there that like, oh, we got to abandon Trump. I was seeing it from a lot of the political class types of people, just even within my own life is mm-hmm. that, oh, Trump's done for. He's, he's, he's gone. He's a goner. Yeah. All of his candidates lost, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that seems to have shifted. Yeah. And so, and keep in mind, like, this is all, this is all very close right now. I mean, like it, there wasn't only a couple of weeks ago, Biden was tied, if not winning. So it's a, um, it's a real question and it's and no polls completely perfect or accurate or actually captures the truth. These are just measurements of some of a phenomena. Yeah. Right. So the, the, so you have the means, the motive and the evidence, right? So the evidence here, you know, we, we talked about the motive, right? The means, right. Does this guy, 
the guy who's you know making the, the devil in the circumstance Jeff, Jeff DeWitt. DeWitt right who's trying to get her to not run does he have like the means to get access to these people well yeah he's he's a financier and he's you know known in that world and he's a chairman of a party right it's kind of the job of a chairman of a party of sorts to try to do this sort of thing wheel and deal yeah um, and make sure the best people run right? sure so if he's persuaded by their arguments then he could be t- it, that's makes sense for him to do and do this conversation mm-hmm. right and then lastly, material. Well, we just don't have any material evidence that it was the NRSC or anyone connected to him. Um, and it's really based upon the anonymous sourcing of this guy, which, you know, we should hold to an account, right? Anonymous sourcing of, uh, you know, Michael Patrick Leahy, who, you know, I don't know him well, right? He, But he's no Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, right? He's not a mainstream journalist. He's a, he's a guy who's written some books, yeah. And he's published on Breitbart and he's done a lot of things I, I'm sure that are important good and he does have you know reputational stake here so it's not like he's just some random twitter account but as you said earlier he's he's no seymour hirsch yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know like he's just not the same level of that additionally that if he said i have multiple sources that confirm this it's very different than a single source yeah so a single source anonymous is considered the lowest standard of evidence that you can well and everything with this is just going to be word of mouth anyways like there's not going to be a way to really unless we have just direct text message proof or something like that or emails you're not going to be able to confirm any of this it's all going to be word of mouth and that's how most political shakedowns are is you don't put them in in written word like so you're never going to have the accurate information of what's what's happening unless people actually just come out. Yep, I said it, right? Yeah. So, and if you look at the re- resignation letter, letter of DeWitt, he pretty much says like, "This is not really what happened. I regret some of the things I said, but it's not really what it looks like," and that sort of thing. So he's like straight up denying. Which that's how you cover yourself from getting JFK, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. If this happens, you're taking the fall because we don't exist, right? right. Yeah. So he's he's going with the plausible deniability thing. I I think that it's it's really a situation where we're not going to know, we're never going to know. But when when people say, "Hey, you know, when you're saying there's there's an interest group who really wants doesn't want a grassroots candidate to win and they're spending money and effort and resources to keep that from happening." We now have a big data point to suggest yeah. exactly that. Like yeah. this is real, it happens. This isn't new. It didn't start happening last year. It's just this is something that happens behind the scenes and that veil is really lifted. It's, it's the way the political game is played. The incentives in are very clear. Yeah. Like the, the, there is a large swath of like of these establishment figures that really don't like Carrie Lake and the message that she's putting out there and they don't want her really near the Senate, especially at this t- point in time. Mm-hmm. Like the incentive is clear whether or not it's the NRSC that's doing it or maybe it could be multiple forces within the blob that are all doing this, right? Um in some senses, it doesn't even really matter who it is. It's just like whatever the entities are, there, there was a shakedown that happened here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're seeing that. Yeah. Right? What, if anything, will come from the implication of uh, our Montana Senator Steve Daines in this whole thing? Is there is there any fallout for the Daines brand out of this? That's, that's solid enough. I mean, it's on Real America's Voice and, you know, we'll know about it. We'll cover it. Right. Uh, but majority of the population will never know about this. Yep. And additionally, that the, the, they don't care. They can't connect the dots. Right. I mean, like the general public is too obscure, esoteric. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't think so. Um, I, th- I do think it, it looks really bad that they haven't gotten back with something. Um, and I hope it's not true. Yeah. That would really suck. Well, and the, the general populace is just going to be like 
I think the most, the general populace that is in tune with politics, they're looking at it and they're just saying like, okay, you're either on this team or you're on that team. Mm -hmm. And I think Danes has started to make a shift towards being on like the non-Trump team. Like he's, he's, he is, I mean, he's, he's one of the leaders of the NRSC, right? Right. Which is, means he works for Mitch McConnell. Yeah. He's, he, he, he took a job to make sure Mitch McConnell has a Senate majority. Yeah. That's that's his role right yeah. now. So so whatever it is, regardless, I mean, he has endorsed Trump right for yeah. the presidency, right? And he's Danes has yeah yeah yeah, and he yeah. courts it and all that kind of stuff. So, the, but the question is, is he legitimately on board with the agenda or not? And the, and there's factions that exist here. They're all working together. Like tr- Trump, Trump goes out of his way to be like Mitch is a nice guy and stuff like that. Like these are all just pleasantries, uh, regardless of the factions that are in play because they are technically all still on the same team right now. Yeah. There's just inner squabbles that are probably happening. And yeah. keep in mind, it was it was the Senate that stopped the Affordable Care Act from getting repealed, right? Hmm. You know, and and people blame McCain for that, but yeah. ultimately, who's leadership? Who was the guy who was supposed to deliver the votes? I don't know. Mitch, Mitch McConnell. Cocaine Mitch. Cocaine Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> That's a heck of a nickname. Is there a story behind that? Uh, I've just seen people on Twitter say that over the last decade. <laughs> so, I always, so I always call him Cocaine Mitch because of it. <laughs> if you are a small business owner looking for exponential growth, you have to connect with Adam Thune at Intellectual Patriots. He will revolutionize your business game and help you get to the next level. Adam can streamline your business practices and advertising strategies to improve your bottom line. His expertise in data engineering means he can build you the systems you need to collect and analyze market data. His mission is to provide you with invaluable insights to fuel your success. From grant writing and business proposals to digital systems integrations, even AI management, Intellectual Patriots is a one-stop shop for cutting-edge solutions. Don't wait another second. Visit intelpatriots.com to learn more. That's I-N-T-E-L patriots.com. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Zesty Beverages. They're on a mission to unf*** the standard American diet by crafting drinks with fewer calories and more nutrients from real food. Their lineup of delicious offerings now includes Electric Peak Yerba Mate, postbiotic sodas, keto-friendly, ready-to-drink margaritas, and hard teas. Wondering what a postbiotic soda is? Well, head on over to ZestyBev.com to learn more and find a retailer near you. Once again, check them out online at ZestyBev.com. That's Z-E-S-T-Y-B-E-V.com. Well, speaking of squabbles, there's a pretty large one going on between Texas and the federal government regarding border policy and immigration. We're going to civil war, boys. It doesn't say. look very good <laughs> at this moment. Uh, why don't we lay the groundwork? Yeah, Where are we at? We've got this a great thing? Fox 4 story that kind of summarizes it before we can, we can break that in. The state of Texas continued adding razor wire along the southern border despite a U.S. Supreme Court order earlier this week. And on Monday, the high court threw out a lower court decision. It means federal agents can resume cutting razor wire, but Governor Abbott says the state will keep adding more wire, saying the state's constitutional right to defend itself outweighs federal law. That's pretty much what happened. Oh, boy. So so Texas has taking it upon itself in the absence of the federal government presence uh, to protect the border. They've decided we're going to put in razor wire ourselves. We're going to protect our own state's border. Mm -hmm. The feds then sued them to stop that. It got elevated all the way to the Supreme court. The Supreme court sided with the federal government, right? Saying, Nope, actually the federal government does have a right to, you know, dictate what border policy is. And then most recently uh, yesterday, actually governor Greg Abbott issued a letter saying, Nope, 
we're going to rely on a particular clause of the constitution to sustain, to sustain our state's right to defend our own border. That's right. Is so that yeah, the operation is called operation Lone Star, which was started in 2021. And it's a bunch of stuff that you've seen in the news, right? Everything from shipping illegal immigrants to sanctuary cities all across America. I mean, mostly blue, you know, blue States, um, hosting governors and congressmen and senators down at the border. You've seen that a bunch over the last couple like over the last couple of years. That's why that uptick happened on social media and things like that, both because it kind of proved to be a great way to get views and they're, you know, it's part of the program. Uh, installed buoy barriers, barrier buoys, you know, in the actual river um, and then installing razor wire. And the razor wire has become kind of like a big part of this, like those big coils of very sharp wires um, that unfortunately some of these uh, illegal immigrants with their families have tried to like, crawl through mm. and people died uh yeah. so the um the argument from the from the government was that you know the this is actually an impediment to the federal government doing the job oh so, interesting so this is about the federal government actually right. protecting the border quote unquote that's their argument so there was one more thing what's interesting here that i thought was like how is this not already a thing <laughs> was they actually passed a new law with operation lone star to allow law enforcement to arrest illegal immigrants for trespass Interesting. Yeah. And it, it wasn't, it, you know, I, I got some more research to do to really figure this out, but the trespass in America sort of thing versus trespassing on private property, of course, is already illegal. Um, but then like, it's typically more designed for other citizens to be held under trespass under civil law. Mm -hmm. So this is like a way to do that with uh, state resources. So, and so that's, that is the whole um, contention around Eagle Pass and the, you know, this town that has sort of become a hotspot for, illegal border crossings uh where where the state has mobilized uh national guard units and they're really trying to like concentrate their attention and focus there yeah right so and it's specifically actually it's to is to create barriers so that they actually go to the legal points of entry which they're like 120 different legal points of entry yeah i was just saying yeah you can come and try to you know come here as an asylum seeker but you got to do that in an orderly fashion over at the spot that's designed for that. You can't do that here. Right. And the argument from the from the governor's office in Texas is saying that the feds, by removing these barriers, are actually incentivizing migrants to come to the illegal points, which are incredibly dangerous. Yep. People have drowned in the river and obviously you said yep. have died trying to get through the razor wire, which is not a good idea. Mm -hmm. um, so so yep. where are we at now? We've got Texas basically planting a flag saying, nope, we're not going to respect federal supremacy on this issue. And the feds now haven't, said anything back to the state of texas have they uh basically they said that this is a this is all a game right this is republicans playing with the lives of these you know poor victim migrants uh, migrants um that this is has nothing to do with actual border security in fact it's an inhibitor of border security what's interesting here is that we don't really know the supreme court's point of view on this right the the, the two arguments right you have texas saying we have a a right a necessary duty to protect our borders and our state and our people and the federal government is refusing to do its job so therefore we have to do it and we're going to do it and the and the federal government saying you guys are just doing this for the photo op and just to look good for your voters this actually isn't making anything better uh and it and it is it's pretty wild when you look at the numbers um and then lastly we we, we don't get really a sense for what the um you know what what the Supreme Court thinks because it's an emergency injunction and so they don't issue any decisions with it. So I, I want to dig into that Supreme Court decision a little bit too because I think a lot of people were surprised 
based on the prior decisions of this Supreme Court that uh, a couple of the Republican or more conservative-leaning justices would side with the more liberal-leaning justices to establish or, or support federal supremacy in this case. They, I think people might have expected that yeah. they would they, they would side with the, the right of the state of Texas to defend their own border. Uh, and I think people were thought of, people don't think of the Supreme Court very carefully. All right, so Supreme Court doesn't decide whether or not they're pro-immigration or not. Right? That's not what the decision is. Amy Cohen Barrett uh, was the conservative, the conservative justice. That's not even the right word. Conservative doesn't apply in this case. Yeah. Was the originalist justice that decided with the rest of the, with the progressive justices, the four progressive justices in upholding the Biden administration part of this. Now the supremacy clause and the role of a state telling to a federal official, what they can and cannot do is a very well established thing, right? So the, the decision is that, it, it, so the decision is that what is the role of the state when it can try to supersede the federal government, right? The, and when can it do that and when can it? And the, she's just saying this is a case where it can't. And I think there's a perfectly fine originalist case, depending on whether or not you're originalist or contractualist, right? Originalist just says, what was the understanding of the Constitution at the time it was written? Contractualist says, it doesn't matter what you know some people thought, like the framers and people like that. What matters is what the state legislators thought, right? And so a tremendous amount of the contractualist kind of faction is more likely to say, no, the understanding was this was a compact for mutual defense. Sure. And so the states are sovereign, and in that compact for mutual defense, if you you know violate that, you're not the, the contract's broken. And so now I'm going to now protect myself. Well, and there's a, the clause that they're relying on is a clause that basically says, and I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, that if the federal government abdicates their responsibility to defend the borders, Texas has the right to do that for them, for their own state's health, correct? Well, you mean a clause in the Texas Constitution? Uh, talking about? I, I don't know. So uh, we have was... Article 1, Subsection 10, Clause 3. Yes, that's right? the one. And I'll bring this up. That is the one. I just like watching you do all this work on the background, Kyle, while we're discussing stuff. Sorry, I was, I was, just, I was just pulling memes about it. <laughs> I, I hope that Bennett pulls some of these up to uh, entertain. Clause. This one. All uh, right. Yeah, well, we'll stay on track here. <laughs> Dave can get all nerdy about it, and I'm just like, oh, the meme landscape's fun. <laughs> well, this one is concerning because Jim Cramer says, uh, uh, quote, I confidently predict that there's no chance of a civil war breaking out. <laughs> How much of this do you think is him being perfectly self-aware and just oh, saying I, I, so? I, I want to be clear. This, this, is, a, this, is, this is a fake joke. tweet. This is a joke. This, this is, is not a, a real tweet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God, actually. <laughs> But uh, that is too funny. Them, where do you see yourself in six months to a year? And then it's uh, Mel Gibson in the Patriot, hiding behind a tree with a bunch of uh, (laughs) a bunch of loyalists. Then also uh, they miss they misspelled (laughs) the seed. Sick D. (laughs) Oh no! They're looking at it like I swear. It's ah, we almost got it. We got all the letters Uh, here. We just we got to put them in order. Word scramble. All right, Dave. Where are we at? Oh, this citation didn't work. I don't know what to do with this. I'm looking it up. Yeah, but um, yeah, there's there's a few things. There's a few uh, the meme landscape. Oh, this is classic. This it. is classic. I mean, this one was Ukraine, and then swap it in for. Well, no, first it was swap out COVID, swap in Ukraine, and then swap out Ukraine, swap in Israel Palestine. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then they kind of skipped a border one. is a uh, racist. Yeah. Yeah. Swap in the chip for wanting a border is racist. Yeah. Well, it's particularly interesting because it's like you're defending the borders of Ukraine, right? Like. 
Yeah, that's true. Didn't really put that together, but yeah. Yeah, so in in Abbott's response, what he says is, Article 1, Subsection 10, Clause 3, acknowledges, quote, the state's, end quote, sovereign interest in protecting their borders, which they argue is the refusal to enforce the border has triggered this right Mm. that they say is acknowledged in the Constitution. But there's no, like, overt part of the Constitution that says, if if there's a rebel president, you can do this, right? It's kind of, it's a, it's an applied and novel legal argumentation, mm, right? Okay. Which is indicated by a Scalia argument from a prior case, but it's actually a dissenting opinion, so therefore it's not like it's not legal no precedent. Yeah, it's not a precedent in the real sense, right? So it's a very interesting legal debate. Um, I don't think people are are kind of talking about it, right? Like most people, what is some of the first like reporting on is like the Supreme Court betrays Trump as the framing or like the Supreme Court betrays the conservative movement. It's like, well, you don't understand. Like a lot of these things are made on the, unlike most areas in politics are usually actually decided somewhat on principle. Right. And like an interpretation layer that is like important to the person who's making it and more important than anything else. Right. So yeah. I'm sure I, 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 I don't know Amy Coleman Barrett. I don't know. Other than I'm just guessing it probably has to do, if this is ever litigated, what we'll discover is it has to do with the fundamentals of the Constitution. Marbury versus Madison type stuff. Mm-hmm. Like when is, when can a state, when is a state supreme over over the federal government? Yeah. And there's, I think, good arguments on both sides. Well, and there's going to be, there's going to be that at all of these types of decisions. Like Gorsuch has gotten that as like a betrayer of Trump because of like the one or two times he's gone against the conservative, you know, the conservative justices. And then now Amy's getting it right here. There's always going to be that is like, it's not, it's not necessarily that the Supreme court's just always going to get locked into your side. Um, Even if you appoint them, right? The whole point of having an independent judiciary that's separate and for life and all that kind of stuff is to prevent favoritism of that kind. And to anybody who was doubting the impartiality of the Supreme Court, this might offer a little bit of solace, perhaps, that mm-hmm. while they're not just, you know, Trump puppets in the sense that you might have perceived as it as it's been communicated in the legacy media and things like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Question, though, do you guys, is this the beginning of a new civil war era in the United States? I mean, we're, we're noticing now that uh, other states have have rallied behind Texas's move here, yeah, including our, our state, own state. Yeah, is one of them. Uh, we've got Montana, South Dakota, Oklahoma, Florida, Georgia, and Virginia who have all um, expressed some kind of support for Texas. This is coming from the governors of those states, too. Sure. Um, and and so what does this mean exactly? What are they offering in terms of support? Is this financial, resources, what is it? Just moral, moral support? I think it's, I think <laughs> you it's, go, Texas. I think it's symbolic Sweetie. support. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's in the, and I, I think we're still a bunch more Republican governors could jump on board because this could be very popular. Yeah, right? it's, they're sticking to the Biden administration, and uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's going to be stop here. Are we going to civil war? The, well, the meme, the internet thinks so, right? There's a lot of a lot of memes about it, a lot of a lot of people joking about it. I think it's a little bit like you joke about something that would be devastatingly bad. Right. It's, it's like laugh huge, to keep from crying kind of thing. Yeah. Or at least like that. We are so privileged and live in such a ridiculous time of peace that we can joke about that. Yeah. Uh, peace, internal peace to our country. Domestically. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, what's the game theory here, Kyle? Cause I mean, we've got like Texas planting this flag. We've got the feds who now have to make a move. Beto O'Rourke has called on Biden to federalize oh, the a, national guard. That's a really good point. Do you have that tweet? Oh man, it is it is such a No, I don't have that up. Let me So there there's this call in there. for the Biden administration to to try to take control of Texas National Guard, which 
I mean, what would that mean for the wait, situation? Wait, what what tweet am I supposed? To? Oh, the be- the Beto tweet. Yeah, okay. yeah. Beta. 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 <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. And this this is interesting because what he's drawing is this is this argument that that this is analogous to the busing situation um, during uh, Jim Crow. Yeah. Right, so, so, so Beto O'Rourke tweeted, uh, Abbott is using the Texas guard to defy the Supreme court ruling when gov Fabus Fabus. Sure. Did this in 1957 Eisenhower federalized the Arkansas guard to ensure compliance with the law. Biden must follow this example of bold, decisive leadership to end this crisis before it gets worse. Mm. So what, what's going on here is what he's referencing is Brown v. board of education, which said you can't have segregated schools. There was an order saying you had to integrate the schools by 1957. The governor of Arkansas refused to do so. And then so Eisenhower federalized the guard and then forced it. So you get these pictures of these, you know, kids getting bused to some strange school with like guards around them to mm-hmm. keep them safe. So and they're comparing Texas establishing defense of its border with desegregation of schools in, the yeah. fi- in 57. Yeah. It's a, it's a very clear partisan and political play and performance play on his part. Right. Obviously quite different, but so it, what effect is this going to have on the broader conversation? Do you think the Biden administration will actually do this? Well, if- I th- I, well, I think this is an appeal that is going to, I, I don't know how it's going to be interpreted. Obviously, so the the governor is going to appeal great to Republicans. Republicans understand that there's a huge problem at the border. Um, uh, people in Republican states in Texas and Florida and probably have a pretty big identification with this problem, right? Yeah. Uh, does the rest of like the people who determine elections in the middle of America, do they know or care about this issue? I don't think as much. Right, so uh, it's when you ask people what they care about, it doesn't rise very far. They care way more about inflation. It just seems like the general conservative voter that I know, conservatives, yeah, really cares about it. Do do the middle of the road people, maybe not. Yeah, I just, I just don't know what they do. And I think they'll listen to something like Beto O'Rourke, be like, oh man, the governor is asking for civil war, and it might go that way. It's, It's a worry thing for me. I don't want that to be true. I, I would like it to be much more like a. Civil war, man, would just be, have a civil divorce. You know that that sort of conversation would be a lot better than. Well, I mean, we madness. and we've been having that con- that that has been a, a a conversation that's entered the popular lexicon over the last few years, especially after the COVID regime of this idea of like, hey, we're just all not getting along right now. Maybe we should start dis- discussing that. <laughs> Maybe there is a move apart that that starts to happen over the next. This would be decades down the road, probably. Eh, but everything happens kind of gradually, then suddenly. Maybe there ends up being a big move like a Texas thing where people are like, we're just not going to enforce what's going on from the federal government. We're just not we're not going to play these games anymore. We're going to do our own thing, right? I think I think it's I mean, it's hashing out the you know states rights issue, I think is important. But also, I do think that there's an element of the broader game theory of this conversation about national divorce or civil war that does play into what people would perceive as sort of this globalist agenda, right? Like part of that worldview is that the United States has to fall or be destroyed in some way in order for the, the global entities to be able to, you know, take over that final step, that final piece, right? Like this is part of that, that narrative. And so a national divorce, a civil war would absolutely break the United States. So conservatives advocating for this is sort of contrary to their views on protecting America, America first against this global onslaught. So I think people need to be, they need to consider this a little more carefully of what a 
a civil war or a national divorce would actually mean to America's presence and power economically, militarily on a global stage. That's just my view. There's always been this concept of a managed decline. I know Obama used to talk about it in speeches back in the day where it's this concept of America is the big empire, but empires only last for so long. So we have to manage its decline. So that as we start to equalize across the globe with, and that probably is where things tie into the, the globalist agenda and let massive, massive amounts of migration patterns in a very quick amount of time tends to be a very destabilizing force. I know the, the, the libertarian types will kind of probably yell at me because it's like, Oh, but economic prosperity and stuff because of more workers and stuff like that. But massive inflows of, of migration, especially, I mean, and frankly, a lot of our foreign policy is leading to these massive migration patterns, right? Like there's that, that aspect of it, but like, because those cause massive cultural upheavals and those are cultural upheavals are a very un like intangible factor. It's, it's very hard to measure that mm-hmm. accurately because like you can look at the economy and be like number go up, number go down. Right. But like people getting along in society is very difficult to measure. And especially where you have like language differences and like, we don't all believe in the same thing. We all have different religions or are anti-religious or whatever. Like all these factors play a role in like, do we as a society get along together? And oh, yeah. and then that leads to national divorce slash civil war slash wherever we want, we're going with this, right? Right. And there's like a huge disconnect, like a huge three different visions of the world going on here where you have one group is pretty much saying this is the biggest problem ever. And the case for that is since 2021, the U.S. has released more than 2.3 million illegal immigrants into the United States. 2.3 million since Biden took over. From 2014 to 2020, about a half a million were released. So notice that growth pattern. Six million migrants were taken into Border Patrol custody over that time. Your tax dollars are paying to incarcerate six million migrants, illegal immigrants. Four million were expelled back to Mexico, returned home to countries or otherwise removed. So those are the numbers that those the conservatives are looking at saying, this is a crisis. This is a madness. Yeah. Then you have the other side, the Democrats, who are, have a overt policy to replace the white voting block with a different color voting block using illegal immigration and uh, immigration reform as a tactic. And they've talked about it for and decades. And they've talked about it, right? And <laughs> they've talked about it over and over again. And, re, you know, Republicans keep saying, hey, that's not cool. That's not a fair way to and do And then they're democracy. like, shut up, racist. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. It's kind of like taking crazy pills to see it happen. <laughs> And totally. then, and then they have the third party, which is the non-interested everyday voter who's just out there who just wants to feed their kids and go to work, right? Uh, and they're they're not seeing the problem, and they don't they don't agree with the tactic or really even know about the tactic existing, and they just see like, hey, what I would like is just a compassionate, you know, border yeah. policy that allows us to bring in people who are who add to our country and keep out criminals and people infected with dangerous diseases which yes. i think is where the average american that's where everyone's at right yeah you know but the, the question is, is just like getting those three parties into a venn diagram and finding that middle where where reform can happen well when the democrats are operating on this level of like well just doing this is just wrong you know like beto o'rourke era is saying that there's no place for this for the state government to do it can do it and it kind of has racist overtones is just it's just it's that it's it's playing the game of chess by flipping the chessboard over, right? Yeah. You're not playing chess anymore. It couldn't be more obvious to me that they're they're not operating in good faith when the opportunity stands to 
meaningfully reform legal immigration, make it more accessible, more simple, faster, get more people through more quickly. Just like in our interview with Mike Germati was talking about how quickly they could get somebody into the White House. Well, if they can do that, they can do it on the border too. And then all we have is an actual understanding of who's coming into the country. Like you said, we know you're not bringing in, you know, some communicable disease. We know that you're not an overt criminal coming here to try to do harm. And we do know that criminals have come over the border and, you know, in the last number of years. And, and cartels are no a big problem. understanding of who is coming in. And I so hear like, they're on all 50 states now. Apparently. Yeah. So, you're right. You're right. You're right. And, and, and so I'm actually kind of strawman the Democrats. A lot of Democrats actually, the reason why they win in this fight is because they come across as a compassionate to a bunch of people who get screwed by the system, like people who want to legally immigrate here or people who are brought here here as children illegally and have lived there in their total lives and don't even speak Spanish, but now are being sent back to some country they've never lived in, like yeah. DACA kids. Yeah. Right. So you can you can do all the tough talk you want in that space and say we're gonna, you know, send them all home and that sort of stuff, but you're never gonna get that that compassion vote too alongside that, no matter how sensible that policy or no matter how just feeling that policy might be. Um you're what you're good what you need is both, right? And that that both of like border enforcement as well as making legal immigration more possible, more like doable, less bureaucratic and less ridiculous. And that was the model of the Becerro program in the 1970s. When we had the best, you know, the biggest decline in legal immigration was when we liberalized the, all the rules and we loosened up all the work visas for people who didn't want to actually immigrate here, just wanted to work here and then go home. And then we, we, we quit being as protectionists while we increased enforcement of the border. We do that again, we'll probably get a similar result. It, the problem is, is that there's been so much of this and there's so much bad faith and so little trust in the institutions. Does anyone believe we're actually going to do that? I mean, I can't, I can't see a pathway to that personally. Yeah. It's, it's very hard to. I mean, it could change, right? New Congress comes in, new president, boom, it could happen. But yeah. it's, it's hard to believe at this point, especially after the Democrats have made it so clear that they're not willing to actually play a, a, like a game that is the game we're supposed to be playing, which is that we don't break the law to, to win, right? Yeah. Which, which, we, which intentionally having a policy to encourage illegal immigrants to come here and then become citizens or to vote illegally is breaking the law. That's a breaking the law policy. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys think that the average American public is just becoming more and more numb to like the compassion narratives? Because that's, that's how the Democrats mm. have traditionally masked all their policies is it's in this egalitarian compassion stuff. It's... Because I, I notice, at least in the people in my sphere, like just compassion politics are dying off. Nobody, just everybody's just like, I, I'm done. I'm done with the propaganda around compassion. Do you guys think that that's moved to towards like the average American voter now? I think so, probably. I mean, looking at what's gone on in, let's just say the Seattle area, because that's the major metro area that that I grew up near, and you know the world I can kind of cl- most closely relate to in this context. It's a very liberal voting base. You have huge homeless crisis uh, that has been dealt with primarily with these compassionate enforcement mm-hmm. modalities, right? Like uh, clean needles and places to shoot up and, and giving them socks and like things that you would look at and go, okay, well, of course we don't want people spreading disease. And you know, if they, if they need resources, we should offer them to them. You have these voting bases of people in cities like Seattle, noticing that their communities are rotting from within. They notice that these policies are not resulting in places that they even want to raise their children. They don't feel safe letting them walk from point A to point B. And those are emanating out and it's impacting places like Bozeman as well as we have noticed. Just ask the mayor of Chicago, you know, if uh, their immigrant 
policy is is making the city better ask eric adams in new york city if it's making the city better ask the people that live there as soon as they get a taste of what that actually means and feels like logistically on the ground when they're closing schools so they can house migrants because they have to because they're flooding out of every corner i i don't think anybody in their right mind who's really intellectually honest would tell you that compassionate politics in that application is really working Mm. and i would also look at conservatives who uh kind of tend to laugh at these policies of like busing and, and and flying migrants into these blue cities uh as sort of like a you know thumb their nose to the left kind of thing i would be careful we even living outside of major metro areas we rely on the economies that these cities uh produce we rely on the goods that are shipped into their ports if these cities go down we're we're not better off mm. you know unless you're completely self-sufficient you rely perhaps more than you're willing to admit on those cities for your way of life and so we should we should all be concerned mm. about the policies the way they're affecting you know blue cities red or otherwise actually i would put i mean i, I so so the other the, the question is is in the political it's the, it's the aggregate of the electorate that matters right and it's that it's a low information suburban housewife voter that's the person you have to convince who is most sensitive to those arguments and it's classically why the democrats win seems cases. like political knowledge is increasing like base political knowledge mm. um like the minimum that people understand like that average seems to be increasing and i think it's due to social media mm. like it's just like the average person around me like they might not be as wonky about all this stuff as we are but like the average person just kind of gets what's going on sure. it seems like um and also going back on your point too it's it's an area where i've noticed with san francisco a lot of like the tech people that i follow there's this movement that's going on there that's like a we need to take back our city kind of a thing we need to go against these progressive politicians that are completely ruining our city and they're talking about just straight up airdropping money in from from globally because people are so decentralized in the tech space uh like you got like singaporeans and stuff is like we're gonna just start buying up property in san francisco and taking back the city block by block we're gonna start uh donating to the police fraternal orders so that uh the police are on our side and 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 they stop uh enforcing nonsense licensure laws and they're actually cleaning up the streets like those types of things Mm. i'm seeing those types of movements forming and people being much more strategic about that and so like that pushback against the progressive policies is very interesting to watch. And I'm curious to see where it's very uh, Saul Alinsky, but yeah. on the other, the inverse side, right? Like it's the strategy of taking over a city. Yeah. I think it's going to take creativity because I just don't know how much political fortitude those on the left who see the decay that's going on have to actually vote with alignment uh, to what they're seeing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. How willing are they to step outside of the rank of their tribe in order to actually do what they need to do to create a community where they actually want to live, work, raise a family? This is a breaking point, and it's where that that suburban mom feels like it's unsafe for her kids. But you but know? is that a breaking point for being willing to uh, you know change their narrative yeah. and won't. their worldview, or do they just break and move? to bozeman oh that's true but i think there's just like that i can't find anywhere to go i have to stay here for reasons you know like people don't move and you know while the population does move and change depending on on demographics and politics and stuff like that there's still a majority of people don't right so there is a there's a change there and it's happened before there was a time where there's a very different alignment within the parties when it came to lots of different issues and new new things come up and it, it all changes so you could chart those on all kinds of issues um but 
I, I, I want to make this point on compassion. One of the things that irritates me the most about this is a lot of the people who are in here just saying this is so uncompassionate to these migrants and all these people who are suffering and all the, all the compassion that should happen there have said absolutely nothing about Yemen for decades. <laughs> Misplaced trust. <laughs> right. These same people <laughs> have said nothing about our foreign policy and how disastrous it's, it's been. Yeah. Or if they did, they only say it when it's a Republican par- in power. They don't say it about the de- Democrats. So I just, I'm, I look, I'm compassionate for these folks too. I, I think this is a terrible system for them and for Americans yeah. and should be reformed. But that said, keep it in perspective. Yeah. Right. And, and the, the, the absolute devastation wrought and, and now, you know, the, 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 the financial cost to Europe by the shutdown of the, the peninsula, the Red Sea mm-hmm. is going to be tremendous. And it's based upon America's foreign policy and our agreement with Saudi Arabia and everything we talked about last time. So just don't, don't come to me with that unless you're also advocating for the other thing, because it just shows that you're only doing this to try to make the Republicans look bad. You're only doing it so that you can get a bigger voting block. But Dave, we already talked about nobody in politics is actually ideologically consistent. <laughs> they're all just there for the, whatever the party wants, well, right? They're, they're mercenaries, but this is how you manipulate a population is you define the terms of what morality is. Yep. And so if you, if you get this, you always call it a keyhole problem, right? Yeah. Of like what you, what you actually see. But if you do a keyhole problem on, morality it like then everybody has to put the black square on for black lives matter right mm, yeah. like it, it nobody ignore this thing over here this doesn't matter we need to move societal's focus society's focus in this very specific narrow subject and we're going to use this movement and manipulate this movement to be able to get to the x destination x destination that we want to move to mm-hmm. um so the reason why people don't care about yemen is because there's not a reason to care about Yemen. That's not strategically advantageous to the people that want to actually manipulate societal direction. Right? I would rather complain that Margot Robbie didn't get nominated for an Oscar. Ah, uh, transition. <laughs> Boom, yeah. nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> I set you up for that, and I you didn't really even realize did. I was doing it. <laughs> so but basically, we, we, we teased this up front, and we're going to get into it, but... This is such a nothing burger. <laughs> That's why we put it last in the schedule. Because if you still made it, fine, we'll, hey, we'll throw we're you just a bone. Sweeping the rug out from you. Oh, they're gonna talk about it, and then like you know, our female listeners might be like, oh, they're gonna criticize someone's how someone dressed or something. So, so what happened here? So, to preface this, I don't think you watched the Barbie movie, right? Dave? I did this weekend, just by coincidence. It wasn't because they got an Oscar nomination. I, I haven't watched it. I I haven't cared about it, but <laughs> apparently. So this is my understanding from just being a per person on the internet mm-hmm. is that Ryan Gosling got an Oscar for best supporting actor and Margot Robbie did not get an Oscar for best performing actress. And everybody's upset about this. Because Actually, Patriarch. they're just nominated. There's no awards given yet. These are just oh, announced just, who's nominated. Oh, she didn't get nominated. Yeah, okay. yeah. He was nominated and she wasn't. That's it. That and that what that shows, according to the internet and according to Time Magazine, Time, Time Magazine, uh, the New Yorker, and several other spots, that this is clearly an example of why patriarchy, the thing, the subject of the Barbie movie, the bad guy that is in the Barbie movie, right, is the patriarchy, uh, is real in our world, right? And, you know, it, it it demonstrates all of the things that the feminists have been talking but, about all these years. But what about? I, like, I don't even know which actresses did get nominated for things. Like, what about, like, there are actresses still getting awards <laughs> for, for things. Well, there is no, still a... The story is they eliminated all actresses. 
So Only just, men can get awards here. Is, is that what we're doing? Hollywood, like, the most liberal institution, most progressive institution in America is like, nope, we're just going to give well, all the awards to dudes now. Well, that, that's an important thing. <laughs> Remember about a year ago, wasn't there a bunch of guidelines? I think it might have been for the Oscars yeah, yeah. of who can get awards. And they were I like, about that, like yeah. every in order for a movie to be able to be eligible for an award, they have to meet the certain criteria. And it's mm-hmm. like, you have to have a certain amount of people with disorders in the movie. You have to have a bunch of, it's like, and they would list out like, you know, you need to have a blind person. You need to have a, like, it was like this yeah. whole list that they put out. Right. I can't remember if it was the Oscars or if it was like some other award people, but it was like, if you want an award with us, here's the criteria that the movie has to have. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's just so many directions. It was to go like with a year this. ago. Yeah. No, yeah. I remember I just, what you're talking about. I mean, yeah. I, that's an interesting way to integrate this with that story, right? Because it is, it, the, the, the whole movie is nostalgia bait for chicks. And to That's sell movie. and to sell toys. Yeah, right. Well, and I was going to ask, well, it's not, how it's much? not really for children. It's not really a it's kids movie. It's nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. It's more. It's more for adult women, which is all, all any of our movies are anymore. And it's, it's 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 nostalgia for Gen Xers and above. Like that's what it is. Well, it's the same exact thing that has happened with Spider Man, with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They all come back around now. Those generations are parents, and they're like, "Oh, I want my kids to grow up with the same nostalgic, cool thing that I grew up with." So of course, it's going to sell toys. The parents are going to buy the toys for the kids because they want them to have the same experiences as they had. I mean, you see it with, with Spider Man. Granted, that's still a franchise. It's still popular. It's in movies. TMNT, same, same exact thing. It's, well, they're all just coming back for their 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 last or next scoop into the the, the pocketbooks of th- America. That's the purpose of these shows. Like when Transformers came out, the reason why the Transformers like children animated show was was because we have these toys and now we're going to build lore around them to get people more involved with the brand. Well, right? And that's what's so strange about the Barbie movie, right? Are you guys aware of any Barbie cartoons? No. But I'm I'm neither a cartoon watcher nor a Barbie fan. Yeah, but so. you would know about Transformers. Well, I, I actually didn't. I, but yeah, I, I, I watched, for sure. I watched okay. Transformers. He man, right? this is a little out of your guys' time. Yeah, it was maybe yeah. before. Right. Before but, so there was Barbie cartoons, I'm sure. But the point being is that there's a very clear like, and this might be just a bunch of dudes talking about it. So it was a marketing <laughs> play. <laughs> like it's a marketing play. The TV shows. Yeah. It's not yeah. even. There's not even necessarily a concern about it making money because it's about selling the toys. The question is, is like if you were okay. So let's let's just on those back thought experiment. Who is who's Donatello? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. What color is his bandana? I don't remember. Purple. I'm gonna say red. Damn it, that was close. I, I forget which one's which. Bro, <laughs> I don't know. And, and he's the nerdy one. That's Donatello, right? He's the he's the nerdy one. I forget he's the one which, who knows I, I how to make the I forget which turtles devices. which. I wasn't right. really a big TMNT. Like, well, me band. neither. The thing about Ninja Turtles is that it, each one follows like a personality archetype, right? And so Donatello is very clearly is like he's like the nerdy one, right, out of the group. If you were to say what. Is there's a movie and it's a Ninja Troll movie and it's a great great box office and the person did Donatello you were going to make the case why should he get the the nomination you'd, be, you'd probably say he did the best job at being the Donatello that I expected he fulfilled my expectation of Donatello and he was nerdy in the right ways and he was a good ninja and a good turtle right he's a good what turtle. is that for Barbie though. <laughs> <laughs> like what does that mean what is that for barbie like like barbie has no clear identity barbie's like uh, and then in fact the movie actually plays on this barbie's like this compression of a collective right it's like yeah. barbie can be anything by nature so how do you say marguerite rob like the the woman who should have got batch's actress that they're complaining about not getting it as an example of the patriarchy what could she have done to to better act as everybody and nobody 
at the same time. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like that's she's kind of put into a, a like a tough situation as an actress to win an award for doing like an amazing job, right? But then King got it, and he's also literally nobody. He literally has no personality. Like he's just an object for Barbie. So yeah. it's a very strange situation here where I don't really understand what the the criticism or the purpose are. around the toys themselves is that you're supposed to have a generic figure that can fulfill a bunch of roles, so that you can sell multiple variations of that figure, right? So like, so you have a clear. Uh, female protagonist that can fill multiple roles and you have a clear male protagonist that can fill multiple roles. Like that would be the strategic factor on the toy sales Mm. itself. There's also, there's also um, some of the social science here. Uh, Little girls tend to play as dolls as them being the dolls, right? While little boys with their action figures tend to take on the personalities of the action figures. Right, so the personality goes opposite direction. So little girls tend to be like, "I'm now Barbie," right? Mm. And then the little boy's like, "I'm He Man," you know, like like. How is that different? Well, so uh, Barbie's now me. I'm now He Man, right? Like He Man maintains his character from He Man the cartoons, while Barbie becomes like a reflection of that little girl. Interesting, right? Okay. At least that's that's a study I read. Yep. Oh yeah, that is interesting because and because of the uh, amorphousness of Barbie, where she can fill fulfill a bunch of different roles mm-hmm. this is like that's cowgirl barbie and that's like diva barbie yeah or what, whatever I, I don't know what the barbies are like right. but like but well he-man is he-man yeah <laughs> like, right. that is an interesting thing right. um, regarding the movie specifically though i mean i wonder how much it really matters what the general public felt about how margot robbie did or how ryan gosling did in their roles because really that's not who selects the nominees this is all amongst the academy right this is all mm-hmm. your fellow actors and actresses and you know other industry professionals so also noting that uh ryan gosling is not competing against margot or no what's her name no uh, margot robbie yeah no these he, are two he, different he, categories him getting a nomination has nothing to do with her getting a nomination yeah, he's right. like benedict cumberbatch you know like his competition some guy from some other movie not her yeah so why is this why is this being compared well at least one fact that seems to keep getting noted barbie got eight econo- uh, uh, nominations for the oscars Eight. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. What they're mad about is that they just didn't get best director or best uh, or best lead actress. That's what they're mad about. And and Ryan Gosling did get a nomination for a supporting male, right? Is that right? Or lead male? Yeah, supporting. I think supporting best, actor. Uh, yes, best. Ken, Ken is the supporting support. actor. Well, so I guess my question is like, and and this is. I am the last person you ever <laughs> want to listen to commenting on movies stuff because I'm not really a movie guy, but like, what was the caliber of the other actresses who were nominated? Yeah. Were it, there, were it, they amazing performances? Exactly. Or, or what was the caliber of the men? Maybe the men just all sucked this year. Maybe it was just a bad year for male actors and this is the best we could do. And so this guy got it. Like, well, and also it's supporting actor versus <laughs> best actress, right? So like they're, right. they're two different classes of awards. Yeah. So Ryan Gosling is like, you know, B tier, if you want to put it that way. And Margot Robbie's vying for a tier. So it's like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. What? I don't know. I, I'm, I, I literally just typed in Margot Robbie on Twitter and I'm just <laughs> scrolling through what I find. And I came across an article that says Ryan Gosling says he is 49% woman. And then the other Women title. are better than men. Oh, geez. Women are better than men. Classic. Okay. Uh, is this is this his publicist saying like you need to get ahead of this right now? Put something oh, out. No, this was published in uh, June second, two uh, twenty sixteen. Ah, yeah. virtue signal. Okay, so he is he was ahead of his time. So so I think we. This is probably Me Too movement era, right? Oh, could mm-hmm. that be that? Yeah, yeah. maybe. But yeah. I think we've torn out this thread enough to demonstrate that it's all bullshit. 
and that we have no idea what we're talking grift. about on this no, subject. No, the, the, the whole thing is well, a giant well, grift. We don't right? need to know what we're talking about because there's nothing here. All you have to do is just know the facts that that oh, one Hillary Clinton's tweeting about it, so therefore it must be something specious. Going yeah, and, and, and Hillary Two. said, uh, "Well, let's just do yeah. the Hillary Clinton cl- uh, tweet here." Greta and Margot. Well, it can sting to win the box office, but what? Well, wait, sorry. Well, it can sting to win the box office, but not take home the gold. Your millions of fans love you. You're both so much more than Kenuff. Uh, and that's from the Kenuff is from the movie, and it's like he's Ken, and then the story arc of Ken is Ken goes from being a simp to becoming a the patriarchy to then realize that he doesn't actually like leadership and being a patriarchy to realizing that he's enough and enough just the way enough. he is yeah, yeah just the way he being is. a sin i will say we have been requested to do a barbie movie review in the past <laughs> this was a request that came yeah, in to us I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> so so there is there's a lot of interest interesting things from a male female feminism point of view on this right for example barbie movie itself has a whole feminist narrative to it right Barbie goes to the real world king goes to the real world with her by like sneaking aboard and then he discovers the patriarchy and he's like i want to take this back to barbie land and then he does and then he takes over barbie land and that's the that's the that's the story arc right this hillary tweet though yeah is this her alluding to like what she raised more money than donald trump but she didn't win is this her like trying yeah. to relate <laughs> yeah. or something? That, well, that, that's what I she read. Out of she won case, the box office, but she didn't take home the gold. Well, yeah. in this case, it's basically saying you should have won the gold because you won the box office, right? Which is not true. Like all all the time, there are major box office hits where the guy, the lead actor, doesn't take. Well, again, there are two different cohorts. the 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 people that that um you know vote for nomination are the yeah. Academy, and the people that vote in the box office are the public. So yeah. it's not the same. All right. So there are interesting like cultural commentary you could do about the Barbie movie, and we won't get into that today because you two need to watch it. And then we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. But I won't. But this is a great example <laughs> of the trust me, I'm lying phenomenon. The more you tear at it, the more you realize it's all bullshit. This is the whole thing, and it's all generated to get people to talk about it. Right, which we are feeding into yeah. for a reason, for a purpose. And that is to point out that this is bullshit and that this is all grift and the trust me, I'm lying phenomenon where what they say is they make a claim, oh, this is proves the patriarchy and a bunch of women who are feminists will click on that link and be like, yeah, you're right. You're totally right. We're victims. And then a bunch of dudes are going to be like, no, that's stupid. And they're going to do the same thing. And then the Oscars suddenly actually has an audience because no one goes to the Oscars or cares what happens there. Right. And for good reason, because it's all bullshit. As well, well and this isn't the first time well, they used is- to. The weird thing is that we don't anymore, to be fair. Sorry, Kyle, but that's the weird thing is that it's taken a freaking nosedive. Why? Well, along with a lot of other legacy media institutions, I mean, yeah. the NFL's ratings are have been down for several years. There, right? There's more competition for our eyeballs now. Mm-hmm. Like that. that's what for a, for several decades there, there was just movies that everyone went and saw. And that's no longer really a thing anymore. Like there's not just like, there's not like these centerpiece movies or these centerpiece actors anymore because everything's become so decentralized. Like there used to be, there's just a handful of bands that everybody listened to. Now it's like, you just, you go on Spotify or YouTube music or something. And you're just like, you're inundated with, you know, there's like very popular artists that you've never heard of before. And there's like a whole genre around that. And, and you, I'll, I'll go to you, Dave. And you'd be like, I have no idea who that is. Right. And like, <laughs> right. well, that person gets millions of views. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Like you can just do that now. So like the Academy Awards, it's just like 
it, it, or like any of these Academy Awards for anything. It's just like, we all have such different interests now. Like we've decentralized our, our attention. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, a beautiful thing. And it's also a difficult thing because it creates competition for eyeballs, but it also allows for a show like ours to, you know, matriculate up through the attention of, of people, you know, consuming our content. But I think there's a, a secondary factor here too. The Academy Awards is an extension of the global elite. And now more than ever, Americans and people around the world could probably give two shits less what the global elite think is cool in fact it's now cooler to think the opposite or to care about the opposite so there could be that factor playing in as well it reminds me of uh the last time anybody seemed to care about any of these award ceremonies was um when ricky gervais was uh doing his stand-up routine hosting what was it the golden globe awards or something it might have yeah. been the oscars i can't remember yeah, exactly I can't remember. Where, like where, where he's just like laying into these celebrities <laughs> where he's just talking about like you know you're gonna get an award you're gonna come up and give a speech nobody cares about your politics right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's just yeah, like yeah. and then you'll be like and then he'll be like uh and he's making jeffrey epstein references on there and mm-hmm. stuff like you know that that's the oh, last yeah. time anybody really cared actually, about. actually technically right? the last time was when will smith got slapped that's true that's true that's yeah. true yeah. That was that's the last time anyone yeah. cared about the oscars it was the 2020 golden globes but yeah. yeah yeah um and then I had another point. I forgot what I was going to say. I lost it. Obviously, not that important. No one cares what you think. <laughs> True. Sorry. True. That was a good episode, guys. I yeah. liked it. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you for listening and watching. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, if you enjoyed it as much as we did, please do consider subscribing on YouTube. Uh, give us a like and a follow, review wherever you get your podcast stuff. For David Rand, for Kyle Mack, I'm Joe Sheehan. This is Human Reaction. We'll see you in the next one. Later. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Human Reaction. Help us fight internet censorship by liking, commenting, subscribing, following, and sharing the show with your friends. To find us around the internet, visit linktree.com slash human reaction pod. And remember, I think we've torn out this thread enough to demonstrate that it's all bullshit.